You are listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Bible Church of Paragool. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagool.com. On mission. And so we'll continue this morning. But before we get into God's Word, I just want to uh, give you a, a big welcome as one of the pastors here, along with Jared and Luke. Just welcome. If you are visiting with us, we know as we move into this time of having a new building, that there's likely new people that are just uh, coming in, curious about what's going on. And we want you to know that our hope is that you would move from guests to family. And the best way that you can do that is not just by simply attending a Sunday gathering, as important as this is, but it's by getting connected through one of our missional communities. And you'll hear more about that later on this morning. And uh, not to be even more distracted, but it sounds like I'm echoing up here. Is that just me, or is that y'all? Okay, and some music's playing too, somewhere. All right. I hadn't cued the music yet. No. All right. So Ephesians three fourteen through 21. Pray that the, the echo might get calmed down here so that I won't be even more distracted than I am. But to give them just a second on that, too, it's just, uh, this, this is going to be hard for me. I'm going to try to, uh, maybe the echo is a good thing. This will be the last Sunday that I'm preaching here. And, uh, and so just pray for me as well as we talk about why we're family. And, and trust me, this is a, a, a timely, timely time to be speaking on this. So Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. Let's hear from God. Paul says... Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That according to the riches of His glory. He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit. In your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. May have strength to comprehend with all the saints. What is the breadth and length and height and depth? And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. According to the power at work within us. To Him be glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Father, we ask you this morning that you would continue to inhabit this space with your Spirit. We ask that you would fill us so that we might not only know more about you in our heads, but know you deep in our hearts. So that we might experience you and your greatness through the truth you want us to know and live. Father, we confess that we are all needy sinners. Whose minds are prone to distraction. And division. And we just ask that you would tune us in now. Unite our hearts. Even as we learn about the union you've given us in your son our Lord Jesus, in whose name we hope alone and pray. Amen. I want to begin this morning by teaching you the fastest way to getting a a church 
or a cult from continuing to knock on your door on Saturday morning while you're trying to enjoy yourself. The fastest way to do this is not by learning a great argument. The fastest way to do this is not by closing the blinds and pretending like you're not home. The fastest way is to send one of your children to the door completely naked. (laughs) We learned this by accident. (laughs) One Saturday morning, Cassie's just working around the house and somebody knocks on the door. Hey, kids, go get the door. And they go open the door, but they could care less if they're wearing any clothes or not. So we learned that by accident. That will help you. Because walking around the house in your underwear, let's admit, we probably all like to do it. It's probably normal when you're just with your family, but it can get weird really fast when there's strangers there. (laughs) When you're family, you just don't think about it. It can be ugly, even scary, but it's family. There's a security that's there. Where you can just be you, ugly and all. Now, this morning, I'm not suggesting that as a church we get comfortable and walk around in our underwear together. We're already accused of being a cult often enough, so let's not go there. But what is sad is that for so many churches who call themselves family, they never get to that point where they can really be real together. Where you can just show yourself and all the ugliness... All the scariness, all the dysfunction. For so many people, so many churches I know that many of us have been a part of, church family is just a church phrase. There's probably some of you even here this morning who are in the back of your mind right now even scoffing at this idea. Maybe some of you have even been a part of fellowship. Maybe you've not experienced that. You don't think it's real. You don't think it's possible. Whatever your experience, I think, though, what is clear from God's Word is that's where He wants to get us. He wants to get us through, especially the book of Ephesians, if you've ever looked in it, to see that church family is so much more than just a church phrase. If we had time, we could go through this book of God's Word. We can look at chapter 2 verses 11 through 22, where Paul lays out that how through the gospel of Jesus Christ, he has taken these two groups of people who throughout all of history hated each other, the Jews and the Gentiles, and now through the the work of Jesus breaking down this barrier, this wall of hostility, these two people who hated each other have now been made one. These two different families, as it were, have been put together as one household being built up together into one holy temple of praise and worship to the Lord. We could look in chapter 3, just a a few verses earlier, that how through the church being united as family in spite of their division, in spite of their past, display the glory of the wisdom of God's holy character to the world. This is what God wants for His church. This is the vision, this is the mission that we live to the praise of His glorious grace, not simply as individuals who tolerate getting together once a week on a Sunday so we can hear some good music and learn some facts, but to unite us so that we live as the everyday family of God. Where we experience church family as so much more than a church phrase. I don't know if this is going to be recorded. I know it usually is or who's going to hear it. But I just have to say that that anyone who thinks 
Because we're, we are moving to go plant a church that will only be like an hour away from our family, that we are going home, just does not understand our hearts. You are our home. You have become our family. I've been a part of church since I was born. And I say this with no exaggeration and not because I'm preaching on it. I, I feel more like family with you guys in two years than in all the years I've spent as a part of other churches. And I don't know how to explain that other than the fact that what we're going to see in God's Word today has happened. And I know this is the case with others of you. I've talked to another family that's moving about the same time we are. And to see them almost in tears, we don't know what we're going to do because we don't know where there's a church that lives like family like we do nearby. Talked to another family last week that said, you know, we, we could leave this area for a lot of reasons, but the one thing that would be the number one factor is the family experience we have as a part of this church. And on and on I could go. So how does that happen? How does me coming here almost in tears two years ago because I was leaving home now have me more tore up about leaving home? How does that happen? Well, it happens through the unity of knowing God is Father. Notice again verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. And let's continue through 16. From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. So we notice first of all here, Paul is praying for the church to remember God as Father. And how does the fatherhood of God shape the church's family? It's because we are family because He is our Father. We are not a part of some social club in the city of Paragold that has decided to meet together and to pool our resources for the sake of bettering our community. No, we are family because God is our Father. Because we are no longer slaves, but children of God. We are family because, as God's Word says here, we all share the Spirit of God in our inner being. It's as if through our union with the Father, we now have received the Spirit so that we all, in some divine and even mysterious way, we share this same holy DNA together. And this is huge when it comes to family because what we see is we join in a love that doesn't first flow from each other, it flows first from the Father. I need to repeat that. We join in a love not first flowing from each other, but flowing from the Father. He is our unity. We're not our unity. If you look at the person beside you to be the one who unifies you, then we better all just go to the house because we will let each other down. We will abuse each other. We will misuse each other. It's not our ethnicity, it's not our stage of life, it's not our common experiences. It is our Father who unites us as family. If we depend on one another's compatibility or love to make us family, then we will either fail or we will fake it. And this is where so many churches find themselves. We don't like these people, so I'm done with the church. Fail. Or we don't like these people, but I know I'm supposed to go to church, so let's fake it. When I was first introduced to my wife's family, it was quite a shock. 
Um, my family has the dysfunction of not talking about stuff. So everybody may be like kind of irritated or mad at each other, but we, you just don't talk about it. You don't communicate. And I can all, I can, I'll never forget one of the first interactions with conflict in uh, Cassie's family involved a fist fight between two family members. And I'm just sitting on the couch, you know, watching these people go at it, and, you know, somebody looks at me, are you going to stop them? No. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. And that should have been a warning sign. But anyway, it's disobedient to the Spirit, and here we are. And so um, they just fight. They get mad at each other, and they tell each other they're mad at each other. And they... They do all kinds of manner of things that would make you ask this question. Do they love each other or do they hate each other? But then they always keep coming back together. Some of you may have families like this. And then they, they turn up at all of these birthday parties and all of these events and they're just laughing and having a good time. And I'm over here trying to figure this out. And it's because if, it, if, it's, if it's Paul Paul's birthday, right, they're... They're not just showing up because they particularly think they're all super lovable. They're showing up for their parents. They're showing up because they're family. And that's what they do. And although that's not a perfect representation of what God is calling us here to, it gets pretty close. Is if you just show up in your fight clubs in your missional communities where we live our lives as church because everybody's just been particularly lovable to you, then guess what? You're probably going to either fail or fake it. But if you show up because, hey, God's our Father. And warts and all, that makes us family. And we show up for the Father. We show up in the Father. He draws us together. He holds us together. And we see this through the New Testament. Oh, how we like to go to Acts chapter 2 where we see the church just like hand in hand, kumbaya, devoted to the apostles' teaching, you know, breaking bread together in each other's homes. And you kind of get this vision of a Thomas Kincaid background with a Norman Rockwell foreground, the kids smiling. We all know that's not how our missional communities are. But all you got to do is just keep reading in the New Testament and you see God gives us a much bigger picture of the New Testament church where that's the pattern, but it also gives us a realistic picture of the problems where everybody's fighting. They're fighting over the Lord's Supper. They're fighting over who's the pastor they like the best. They're divided. It's a big reason why Paul's writing this and praying this prayer that we're reading right now because he's wanting these people in Ephesus who are like, how do we get along together as the church He's praying, God, you're able to do greater than we could ask or think. When we know God is our personal Father, we know each other is family. So we fight with people. We fight with each other. This is what's strange, and some people understand it. I've experienced more family here at Fellowship, but there's been conflict at every turn. That just happens in family. Either you can say, we don't want that, but if you say you don't want that, then you don't want family. It's just like if you said, I'm not going to stay married to my spouse if we're ever going to fight. Well, good luck. Just fake it then. You can either fake it or you can have a real relationship. 
But we not only fight with each other, what's so beautiful is we fight for each other. It's like my brother, my, the, I've got two brothers, but the one that's just two years younger than me, just beat the snot out of him growing up. I can still remember even coming home from a Sunday gathering and him saying something and me kicking the back of the seat so that he had, you know, basically whiplash. And he reminds me a lot of the mean things I did to him, and I just, I guess I've blocked them out, disassociation or something. I don't even remember, but if anybody else said anything about him, you want to talk about my blood starting to boil? I mean, that's how I feel about you guys, and I think that's how we feel about each other, right? You might look at somebody and say, man, how stupid can you be? And at the same time, you're saying that out of a love that's like, if, but if anybody else dares say a word about you, I'm about to knock your teeth out in the spirit. And, and that's what family does. And I don't want to be crude or rude about that because we shouldn't go punch somebody. But that's how you feel, isn't it? Because you love each other. And it's because you fought together that you want to fight for each other. It's because you really know this person. You really love these, this person. Because you did life, like Jared talked about last week. You've not just did a Sunday gathering. You've did life on life. You've did life in community. You've did life on mission. Sometimes people ask me, what, what do you guys do to cultivate family? As if they're trying, if you just were going to give them some like kind of secret sauce here for what to do. Here's the ingredients. Do this Bible study on this day, and then three days later, do this follow-up. Well, I don't know, maybe somebody's got a secret plan. All I do is just be together. There you go. Cat's out of the bag. <laughs> you, we want the intimate, special, heaven-meets-earth moments. But guess what? You can't plan those. Intimate, family relationship, special memories don't come through plans, they come through presence. Just be together. Hey, you really irritated me. Guess what? I'm having you over for supper this week. Hey, you get on my nerves. Guess what? Let's have a game night together. Let's do lunch. Let's do breakfast. And guess what? No agenda. That's going to drive some of you crazy. And let's just keep doing that. Let's do it with gospel intentionality. Let's do it in the spirit. But let's not only do it with God as Father, but we see real church family, not just church phrase of family happens, not just through knowing God as Father, but through the security of knowing the love of Jesus. We see this in verses 17 through 19, that the Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Oh, oh there's depths to mind there. We're not going to. But notice Paul is praying that the church would have an experience of the love of Jesus together. Not just alone. Notice, they, in their union with Jesus and His love, they are to comprehend together the depths of who Christ is and what He has done for Him. They are to grow in it together. It is to ground them and grow them as family. 
And the love of Jesus is not just some general idea here. It's not the love of Jesus. You're just imagining Jesus with long flowing locks and a, and a daisy bandana hugging you. No, when Paul talks about the love of Jesus, you've got to see it in the, in the context of this whole book where he talks about a, a Savior who when we were the enemies of God, the children of wrath, He became human like we are. He lived the life that we could never live for ourselves, but He lived it just like we live it. Tempted in every way. Tried in every way. Tested, tempted, mocked, ridiculed, and even killed. The love of Jesus is a love not only in His life, but in His death as He goes to the cross and He says, I know you guys really could care less right now, but I'll take your place. You deserve the Father's judgment. You deserve His wrath. I'll take it for you. And on the cross, He goes and He dies not only for Jew, and this is where it comes in Ephesians, but for Gentile, which is probably all of us, non-Israelites, so that all the promises of God that were given from the very beginning of God's Word to Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David would now become ours. He brings us near through His life. He ascends to the Father and He gives us the Spirit so that now we would be one. And in the love of Jesus, in His life, His death, His resurrection, His present reign and His coming return, we find ourselves in the most secure position we could imagine. So many families are plagued with such dysfunction because there is so much insecurity. It's behind probably 99% of your fights as a spouse, with, with your spouse, and behind most of your fights with your children. Everybody's insecure. Everybody's defensive. Everybody's got to prove their point. Be right. Because I'm insecure. The same can be true in a church. But as a church grows more secure in the love of Christ, they grow more real in their love for each other. Now, if you've never been in ministry, maybe this will come as a shock to you, but be shocked. I probably quit the ministry like a hundred times, if not a thousand. I've quit being pastor of this church more times than I could tell you in my mind. That hurt your feelings, I'm sorry. But sometimes I do it in my head and sometimes I just do it out loud. I don't do it to all of you because it would probably be misunderstood, but I'll do it to my wife. I can remember one night in particular telling Cassie, I quit. I quit it all. If we can't have a better marriage than this, then I don't need to be pastor in this church. All I got to do now is figure out how I'm going to tell Jared and Luke and figure out how to tell our family that we move halfway across the country for nothing. I say all kinds of crazy things like that to my wife. I say all kinds of mean things to my wife. Things sometimes I just need to get out, things sometimes I shouldn't get out. But you know why I can say it to her? She's not going anywhere. Right? She's trapped. (laughs) 
And it, I didn't know that'd be funny, but as funny as that may be, uh, <laughs> there's a security that's there. I can be real, and you won't 20 minutes later say, well, you said this, so... Or if you say that, it doesn't matter. I'm not doing it. The security of family gives us the foundation to be real with each other. That's how this kind of family happens. And even what's been the extra experience to me being a part of fellowship is that's always been the case in my marriage. But what I can do here and what you can do here, even if you don't think you can, is then I can go to my fight club at the time, which was Zach, Zach, and Dustin, and I can say, well, guys, I quit every, told Cassie I was quitting everything last night. I'm not, but I need y'all to pray for me because this is just how it is. I can remember in times past in other church settings where I would try to share difficulties in marriage and thing, and it's just like you hear crickets in the background. We don't go there. How does that happen? It happens through the fact that we all know that we are messed up, jacked up sinners who have experienced the love of Jesus together. And so I can just say, this is me. A church that knows the real love of the real Jesus can grow as the real people they are, and that makes us family. It's why we do, as Jared often says, preach the same sermon every week. That there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're here this morning and you don't know that good news is your good news, I pray that you would. It is sweet to know that right now, no matter what anybody else thinks of me, and even more, what I think about myself, that the Father in Heaven has no condemnation for me. And the church experiences that together. I know that at the cross, I was already judged of all of my sin. So I can say how I feel to you guys, and even if you judge me, well, big deal. He doesn't. You can misunderstand me, I can misunderstand you, but we can keep talking because the security that we enjoy is not based on one another's reactions or perceptions of each other, but based on the Father's full and final approval in Jesus Christ. So I can walk in in the midst of my family, my church family, not just a phrase, I can talk about my anger, my lust, I can share about the abortion that I had. I can share about the same-sex struggle I had, the pregnancy outside of marriage. I can share, and I'm not saying these all about me. I'm saying we can, <laughs> we can share these, I should have said. And, and this is serious, okay? I'm not joking right here. We, this is serious. Wherever you are, there's nothing off limits. God already knows it. He loves you. We want to love each other like that. You can walk into your fight club, your family meal, and you can say, I don't even know if I believe any of this stuff. I'm just singing words, but I don't know if I believe it. And we've done that together. And then we can correct each other, and it can be messy. But because of the security we have in Christ, it's not just we say, well, just vent it all out there, and I love you. 
we can say, yeah, I'm glad you shared that. That's screwed up, but let's, let's work on it together. I remember uh, Nicole, I, I have a bad habit of thinking, I guess I'm some kind of comedian with my wife, and like, anyway, things I say are funny to tease her, and I think they are. But I remember Nicole Costner in our missional community one time being like, hey, Rusty, I don't want to uh, sound wrong, but do you not think that ever hurts Cassie's feelings? And Cassie was there, and she said it wasn't because I'd threatened her to never tell the truth before. <laughs> but what, what I said to Nicole then, and in my heart I'm not saying that all this, is, it's just thank you. I've always wondered that, but nobody's ever called me on it. It's what family does. It's not that we say whatever we want because we don't care about other people's opinion. That's unloving. But we say what we need to because there's no condemnation. And just on a side note, before I get to this final point, is this real family love in Jesus, it really does free us to both be ridiculous and serious. That's something Jared and Luke had to teach me early on, is that you can go... And I, don't, I think it was Jared. You can go from the ridiculous to serious, one sentence to the next, because of the gospel. From uh, totally questionable uh, New Year's Eve games to to weeping over the loss together. From all the things Luke thinks to say and do. to just down on our knees or our faces praying that God would grow this family into the army of disciples that He wants it to be. So this kind of family happens through knowing God as Father. It happens through experiencing the love of Christ together. But I think we see, uh, lastly, it happens through knowing the, the power of the Spirit. Verses 20 and 21, this great benediction. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. And we could go into that elsewhere. It's the Holy Spirit, presence and power at work within us. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So Paul entrusts here the church to God. A big vision of God guides the church here. This a God who's able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think. But also we see a big vision of the church. And let it be known here, this is very clear, Paul's not talking about a building. Notice the, the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. So he can't be talking about a place. Talking about a people where the presence of the Spirit indwells them together with the power of God. It's like our family, we're about our biological family, about to move again. We've moved so many times. And it can be so disorienting. And it calls for different changes. It calls for different priorities. It calls for different actions. Just as we moving into this building calls for readjustments that are necessary. But our family, whether we live in Louisville, Kentucky, or Cleveland, Tennessee, or Paragould, Arkansas. It doesn't matter where we are or when we are, we're family. I doubt any of you say that you're going to family 
when you go to Thanksgiving. No, you're going to Thanksgiving because you are family. What Paul is saying here, I just want to hammer this as we wrap up, is what we always say. We are the church. We don't go to church. It's a little fatherly admonition here from me, your fellow sinner. People are starting to really slip up with this now that we're in this building. I'm not trying to be an annoying English teacher on you right now. But just looking at Facebook last week, already seeing people say, after church, or getting ready for church, or went to church, or I'll meet you at the church. Guys, let's not, let's not give in on this. This building is not our church. Okay? It's not. And I think it's important, again, not trying to be a word police here, that, that we just remind each other of that every time. We are the church. This building could burn down. The toilets could explode and... <laughs> Prop may do it and take this whole mother down, right? It might happen. But we're the church, whether we're in a movie theater or we're in the crossing building. You're the church when you're at your MC family meal. I'm not the church alone, but we're the church together. I just want to close so many stories, but... Here, here's just a good one. Somebody sent this to me this week. Back in 2013, I found myself in a position where I'd lost my job and didn't have a place to live. My biological family lived over seven hours away, and fellowship was the only family I had to carry me through that hard time. There were at least six different families who offered to let me live with them until I got back on my feet. I ended up living with a family from my missional community for three months. It was an diff- incredibly difficult and humbling season in my life. But God used this fellowship family to encourage and love me in more ways than I could possibly recount. You know who sent that? Old Tim Parrott up here leading worship for us. Leading the MC now. Not because we had some dynamic program. Not because we had some super cool building with this awesome stage. Whoever did this, that is great. It's because we lived as family. You did. I wasn't even here, so I'm not taking any credit. You lived as family. And the glory of God was shown and took root in a person's life that was discipled and now is making disciples. And may we guard this and may we grow this so that church family for fellowship is never just a church phrase. And right now we're going to, we're going to transition to our time of communion. And this is really what communion is all about. It's our weekly reminder that we have not been saved alone, but we've been saved together. We take of the bread and the cup together, the bread signifying the, the, the life of Jesus given for us, the, the cup signifying the blood of Jesus shed for us. And we participate in the life of Christ together. That's why if you're here this morning and you're an unbeliever, you're not yet following Christ, we just ask you to, to just sit there and reflect upon this good news of Jesus that's been shared today. 
We ask you not to come to the table of Christ. We ask you to come to the, to the person of Christ. For the first time, today can be the day where you know that you, you move from that penalty of guilty to not guilty, from condemned to no condemnation. It's free, freely offered. And so I'm going to ask, there's four different uh, stations, I believe, or three, four. Four different stations. Okay, I see the one back there. That is this song. I'm going to pray, and the musicians are going to come forward. And then after I pray and they begin to sing, that you would uh, funnel out to each of these different stations. I want to give missional communities the, the opportunity to have time if they want to, to gather. And if not, that's fine. Don't make that confusing this morning. But just take communion, whether alone, as a family, or as an MC. And then come back to your seats after you finish that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much that you are a father. Thank you that you're not just some religious force off in some fairy tale corner of the universe, giving us a crutch to lean on when things seem rough or we fear death. Thank you that you are the true God who not only has created us, but has redeemed us and made us family. Father, thank you for this church. And yet, thank you that our church is not the good news you are. So it's in you, not one another, we express our hope, faith, and love, and union today. We thank you for the blood of Christ that was spilt so that death would not be our end. We thank you for the life of Jesus that lives so that now the same power that rose him from the dead unites and lives in us through the Holy Spirit. And we ask now that as we take of this bread and cup, you would again unite us even more deeply in the finished work of your son Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.